For many years, if you were a Mormon who wanted to practice Mormonism outside the mainstream LDS church, you could bet that you would encounter pushback. Well, today we live in a different world where that pushback, for the most part, is now gone. Now, this is all well and good, but we who enjoy being able to live a Mormonism more authentic outside the LDS church owe a debt of gratitude to those older generations that preserved that truth for us. The best way I think we can repay this debt is to now come out of the shadows and let our voices be heard. Today I sit down and have a conversation with a woman trying to do just that. Sarah Decker comes on to talk about her new podcast, From the Dust. We talk about her experiences in the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, how and why she made the decision to separate from the LDS Church, where she got the idea to make a podcast, and what the podcast will cover. Along the way, we stop to discuss a wide range of gospel principles. Stick around for a fascinating conversation on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Look, it's no secret that our society has become much more crude and coarse. To become and raise men and women of virtue and character is a Herculean task. To help with this, I have recently wrote and published a book. Now, back in the 1700s, Washington had a book called Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior in Company and Conversation. It was a book with 110 rules that talked about how to conduct yourself like a civilized person in society, something that today's society is sorely lacking. What I did is I went back through the book and I reinterpreted his original sayings for the 21st century. So the book is laid out in a way in which you see Washington's original rule. Right below that is my explanation for the 21st century. And below that, you'll find two or three examples of where to use this in the real world. Now, to go along with this, there's a workbook that helps parents teach these principles and practices to their kids. To find the book, go to mormonrenegade.com, go to the bottom of the page, search out the blog post, and order your copy today. I can bear personal testimony from personal experience that this is an invaluable tool to help you raise men and women of virtue and character. Okay, just a couple of quick announcements here. If you're looking for a place to attend sacrament meeting and don't know where to go, I want you to reach out to me. Me and others stand ready to help you find a spiritual home, whether that's a new church, a gathering spot of independence, or even if you just need a soft place to land for a time to learn how to have sacrament meeting in your own home. Myself and others stand ready to help you find that place. All you gotta do is just drop me a line at mormonrenegade at gmail.com and we'll quickly reach out to you to help you find the place you want and need to be. Next, I have felt for a while now that the sisters haven't had a good place to go to have their questions answered without a bunch of dudes creeping around. To fill this need, my wife Tanya has set up a Facebook group just for women to talk about questions about fundamentalism. The name of that group is Mormon Fundamentalism for Women. Now, just a warning. If you're a dude thinking about trying to jump on this site, I'm going to give this to you in my best Liam Neeson impression. I have a certain set of skills, and I'll find you, and I will publicly mock you endlessly, without mercy, for many, many weeks. So whether you're a fundamentalist woman seeking sisterhood or a woman investigating fundamentalism, this place is for you. Again, the name of that Facebook group is Mormon Fundamentalism for Women.
Sarah, how's it going this morning? Good. Really good. good. Nice. So you and I talked previously for a little while, and you've just started a podcast uh, called From the Dust. And I I always got to ask this question. Why did you want to start a podcast? I really didn't. <laughs> Is the simplest answer. I am a mom of seven and that's just been my whole world for so long. And so God really asked me to start this podcast about, I guess, three or four months ago now. And I spent the last few months really searching with myself to, to find the courage. And, um, so I started this podcast because God put it on my heart and he wouldn't let it go. (laughs) It was like a calling that I couldn't just say, Hey, no, thanks. And, and I didn't want to say that anyway, because, you know, if God offers you an opportunity, it's important to take the time to really think it out, you know? And so I took a few months to really ponder it and pray about it and figure out why, like, why would God want me to do this? <laughs> and so here I am. And I'm really looking forward to it. The answers he gave me, it got me excited about the podcast. Honestly, I'm really excited to see where it goes because I see his vision even in little parts now. And it's really exciting. Yeah. A couple things I can resonate there. And I've told the story a hundred times, so I won't tell it again, but, um, there's no use in arguing with him. I mean, like I, I tried, I tried really hard. And, uh, if, if there's one thing about, about our father in heaven, it's that I've noticed if you're trying to follow him, he, he's, he's relentless sometimes. Right. And if he's asking you to do something, um, he's, he's relentless and you'll get no peace in your discipleship until you just kind of like, fine, I'll do it. I, in a large, you know, the other thing you asked about, you know, is, is why I stopped asking those questions a year ago. I'm like, whatever, it doesn't matter. You you may or may not tell me, I mean, I'm probably God's most petulant child, right? So I've just gotten to this point where I've thrown my hands up in the air and just went, whatever you want, fine, I'll do it. So I, I can identify with that. So you were, you were born Mormon, right? Mainstream LDS church. I was, yeah. Both my parents joined the church um, in their lives, and so I was born and raised in the in the LDS church. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to ask a question here that that might be a little, I don't know. I, I always hate using labels, but I'm I'm going to ask it anyway. So, do you consider yourself more of a fundamentalist now? Do you consider yourself still mainstream? What where are you at in that? in that Mormon journey, right? Because I think for so long as when, at least in my own mind, there was only kind of one way to do the Mormon thing, right? Which was through the LDS church. And the more I read and the more people I met, I realized that there is an entire scale of Mormonism, right? And it goes from inactivity, but you still identify all the way up to, to, you know, beyond fundamentalist i guess in some point so so where what would you classify yourself as free i that's awesome i think that's probably the best way um you know a couple months ago 
Well, I'll backtrack a little bit more than that. About a year ago, I was reading a book and in the book, the gentleman had said that God had told him to stop attending his church and that everyone thought he was, had lost his way and, but he really hadn't. And he still had a really strong relationship with God. Just God had asked him to centralize his learning with his family and to stop handing it over. Does that make sense? And so he was leading his family and I thought that was so brave and interesting, but what I didn't expect to happen is what happened is that the spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, this is what I am at. We'll ask of you at some point. Mm -hmm. And at that point in my life, I had not even considered that really like in my mind I thought well the millennium is when that will happen like we'll all just kind of be doing our own we'll be following the Lord but maybe it won't be under a specific umbrella um church-wise you know a specific label it'll just be under Christ because in the Bible you know it talks about the church of Christ the church of Satan and so I've always for a, for quite a few years now have thought about it in that way that we'll just be under Christ and so I didn't think that would happen until the world had fallen apart, until Christ had come. And so that was a really big surprise for me to hear that. And it took the last year, it's been a full year since I had that revelation. And in the last year, I've received a lot of guidance and counsel and peace explanations, I guess we'll say. A, a lot of answers to my questions as to why, like, why would I even be asked to do this? And so one of the things that a couple months ago I was shown was that the church I was in was a beautiful like structure that helped me to like rise towards God. It showed, it was like a scaffold that kind of showed me the way, but as we really learn at the feet of Christ, what I was shown, it was like that there is no ceiling on that scaffold and it just opens and turns into this beautiful, it was just a light. It was like light that came up the scaffold and then just blew open and it was huge and expansive. Mm. And, and that's what God told me was, was where he wanted me. Gotcha. So this, the scaffold was good. Like he want, but at his learning at his feet was what was above that scaffold and was expansive. And I was told a couple years, I guess it was about a year ago that the things that God could do and the things that I would learn and what was possible with him, I couldn't even comprehend at the time. And even a year later, I know that's true. I've learned so much in the last year that I never would have even thought was a possibility before then. That's awesome. So, so like, I'll tell you from, from my perspective, right? Some things happen in my life. Um, some people dabble in fundamentalism before they jump in. Uh, I jumped in like full, like I went, no, we're not going to dip a toe in. We'll just go in full force, um, which was both good and bad. But oftentimes when, when people begin to leave the church, whether they go fundamentalist or whether they go free, as you said, which I really dig that, um, there there's, or they go inactive or stop believing. There's a moment at which a lot of us come to where, where we go, 
okay, something's maybe off or not quite right in the LDS church. And, and then we, we, we take a, a hard turn somewhere and, and go back towards those, those older teachings or those more inspired teachings, I guess. Um, but for you, it sounds like you, you came to a point to where, um, and, and I've come to be in this camp myself, the older I get and the more time I have, where it wasn't so much saying, well, the LDS church is wrong or the LDS church is off track so much. It's more about, okay, there's more out there, right? And so you've used that scaffolding, as you put it, for a while. And and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you've come to a point to where there's more and that more might lie outside of the the structured LDS church. Is that a is that a good assessment? I think that's fair. And I'll explain a little bit on that if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. For years, I was probably like a lot of people and had dreams about school, going to school. And it was often elementary school. And as I got older, the dream was repetitive. I was going to school and I was graduating. I was going to school and I was graduating. And every time it was like, I've been here before. Why am I back? And this dream happened over and over and over again. And seriously, I'm like, at this point, I've been to elementary school 10 times and I've graduated. Like even my peers in the dream would tell me, aren't you a little old for this? Like, why are you still here? And not in a mean way, just a curious way. And I'm like, well, I guess I can do better. I guess I can learn more. Like each time I come, I, I do even better. So it's great. <laughs> and so for years, I kept thinking, why do I keep having this dream? You know, because it wasn't just like a, I went to school in my underwear dream, like we <laughs> might have when we're kids. It was a specific message. You know, I was graduating elementary school and yet I kept going back and I kept getting better grades. Specifically, like my grades were better every time I went back. And so I remember at some point I was praying about what that dream meant and I had it again. But for the first time I actually graduated, I packed my bags and I went away to college and I was sitting in a college lecture hall with a friend and, and I don't know this friend on earth. I don't, I don't believe I didn't recognize her as anyone I knew. I just knew her like my, my spirit knew her and we were friends and we were so excited about the lecture, the person who was coming to teach us. And we were talking about him and I knew that teacher was Christ, mm. that Jesus himself was going to come teach us. And I was so excited and I woke up and that was the first moment that I really learned that a lot of what we have is really elementary school mm. and it's just the beginning. There is so much to learn. God is not just like us and nicer you know like there is right. there is so many levels in between us and like god who created the world you know he's a creator and he can do so much more than we could ever imagine and we're not just gonna like like jump there from our basic understandings we have here in different religions and so 
that was kind of the beginning of that journey. Um, and that was probably four years ago. And that was really the beginning of understanding that scaffold and the light that I received just a few months ago oh, okay. to really understand that there was, there was more and that Christ wanted to lead that work. Really. He has shown me that it's his joy that he gets to walk with us hand in hand on that journey to help us ascend to that place where we're ready to take on that next level. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let, let me ask you this. I got, I got two follow-up questions here to, to that little part. One, the first one is this, what happened four years ago that led you to that? Was it just that revelation that you received in talking to that other gentleman? What do you mean? You said about four years ago, you, you started to go on this journey of becoming a free Mormon, so to speak. What, what was the catalyst for that? Was it just that dream or was there other things happening as well? Um, before that, there, honestly, it's probably been like a, a, God tends to show me how he's peppered my life with like the stepping stones that bring me to where he wants me to go. Right. And that includes knowledge. And one of the things that I was told this morning during my scripture study was that there are certain things that I know, and there's certain th things that I have been kept in ignorance about until the time was right. <laughs> and I think that's the best way to put it. So there's been a lot of stepping stones along the way. And so during 2020, early 2020, I don't remember exactly when, but I know it was that year. I was pretty upset at the prophet who I loved. Like I had had revelation that God had called him. Like I had love for him, but I was upset that he really wasn't giving a lot of guidance to the people during such a tumultuous, emotional, fearful time. You know, the world was in so much fear and I thought he'd be, he was the perfect person to kind of calm that fear. And I was a little frustrated that he wasn't <laughs> mm -hmm. and so at that time i was like you know he told me he was a prophet but what if what if it's not his church like i need to ask that and so i was asking all these questions and getting all these answers and i was told that it was his church and so in in a beautiful lovely vision that also showed me how imperfect it was like not every imperfection, obviously, but he showed me how people are called of God and they're given a calling within his organization, yet they assume they know what to do. And so they do things that are not God's will and they hurt people and how much sadness that brings God that his children are in pain and are hurting because of the um, pride filled choices that his, that his people make in his organization. And so kind of showed me the pain that it causes people, but the, but the joy he has when they do finally humble themselves and turn to him. And so he showed me, and then he said, but it still is my church. I mean, regardless of all of that bad, the bad stuff that you see, um, it still was his. And I, and I had a lot of peace in that and, um, it gave me a lot of peace for a long time. And so 
when I had that dream, I kind of saw as it more like at that time I looked at it as here was the bubble of the church and there are those who are learning. How do I explain that there was a lot of things in the gospel, even in the scriptures and the things that Joseph Smith taught that we aren't, we don't talk like really openly about. And I had a, an issue with that. But when I prayed about it, really what I was taught was that there are certain things that God wants people to seek out and figure out for themselves. He wants them to go on a spiritual journey with him. He wants them to take him as their guide and follow the Holy Ghost. He wants them, he wants us all to get good at listening to the spirit and taking the spirit as our guide and seeking him, seeking God, seeking Christ. And he wants to take us on that journey. And so there were certain things that at that time, I just was kind of told, well, some of this is for people who are true followers, you know, true seekers of truth and, and greater light and knowledge. And it's because, you know, when we, when we seek it, we show him that it's important to us. And so that's really at that time, that's kind of just how I felt like there was those who, and I, before I was just that person who kept showing up to church and I kept expecting to learn more there. And it was like going back to elementary school and expecting to learn more at elementary school. Well, no, they only teach certain things in elementary. I'm right. not going to start learning, learning higher knowledge in elementary school. if I just keep going back. And so that's kind of at that time, I just realized that there was those who were good people and just kept going back. Um, and, ex and maybe like me, was hoping to learn more, but finally God kind of ushered me into understanding more things and, and teaching me about different things. And really it started with a prayer. I prayed and asked to know Jesus Christ better. And he started teaching me a lot of really cool things. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so fascinating because I remember going through the same thing where in fact, I remember it very distinctly. It's when I, I left the church uh, for good. I was in a leadership position. Um, and this was right before the pandemic. And I remember I was, it was for, for a couple of weeks, I had felt this way. <clears throat> I was just in front of, in front of the mirror. So let me back up. I'd felt this way for, for probably a few months, actually. And um, I was just in the mirror shaving on Sunday morning. And it, it's not like I was unhappy, but I was kind of unfulfilled, if that makes sense. Right. And I remember I'm just shaving and, and I'm like, why? I'm getting ready for my meetings. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I feeling this way? I, I'm working the program. Right. I am. I'm fulfilling my calling. I'm hanging out with, quote, all the right people right? Um, all the other leadership folks. Um, I am, you know, attending the temple once a week. I'm paying my tithing. My family is absolutely awesome. What, what is going on? Why, why is this so, so unfulfilling to me? And I remember it was just a flash, right? And, and the Lord, it was, it was a stroke of revelation in that moment 
where I felt the Lord say, I taught you a bunch of stuff like a decade ago. And you decided that because things got hard and you got hurt, you were just going to try to forget all those things I'd led you to. And you were going to go back. He's and And it was very distinct. He's like, you tasted the fruit. There's no going back. And it, again, it's not when when I left the LDS church, I wasn't mad at the church. I enjoyed my time in the church. I felt like they gave me so much. But I think there comes a point at which churches sometimes, not all of them, but sometimes they 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 switch from doctrine to dogma. And in that dogma, you now have a a you're going to stay in this lane, right? And you're not going to veer out of this lane. And correlation can be a beautiful thing because it helps us all stay on the same page, but it can also be restrictive and it can also be somewhat conformist, right? And if you want to ponder some of those other things that that maybe some of the early boys talked about and and whatnot, that's not necessarily always um, um, smiled upon inside of a church because that dogma begins to be the the forerunner so as you begin to think about oh no i'm gonna i need to do this but this means i might have to outgrow this scaffolding as you put it i think that's a beautiful word i shouldn't say outgrow it but but start reaching for something more how scary was that because you've been raised in this church your whole life right i mean this is the and, and Mormonism is unique in the sense that it's not just a church, right? It's not enough to show up to church and throw a couple of bucks in the collection plate, listen to a sermon, and then call it good for the rest of the week. This is different. This Mormonism is different in the sense it's got its own language. It's got its own culture. It, it not only encompasses your Sundays, but you have all these other activities. And now you're about to leave that behind. How spooky was, was that to you? It was terrifying, really. That's why it took me a year. God really had to help me overcome a lot of those fears. I, you know, I grew up in a very like rambunctious, loud home. I had eight siblings. And so I would go in my room and I'd read my scriptures and that was my safe place. But outside of my bedroom where I, you know, would read my scriptures every day, I, I had church. That was my home. And that's really what I, I felt like at church on Sunday. That's when I went home. That's where I had peace. And so I think most of my life I had really conflated the gospel with this organization, this mm -hmm. one organization that holds all the truth. And so I really thought that for a long time and it took a lot of splitting hairs spiritually that God kind of directed me through that. He held my hand and walked me through it, you know, and helped me understand that truth was not possessed solely by a, an organization and that they had their place and were a beautiful thing but that he wanted more for me. And, you know, one thing I want to mention is I recently moved to Missouri in the United States. And 
God taught me a lot of interesting things when I first was going to move here. And one of those things was that all of the churches were part of the body of Christ, that they all had a purpose and had a part of his plan. And he uses, cause he can use anything for good. And so mm-hmm. every group and every organization was part of that. And so I don't, I see that revelation he gave me that this is my church, you know, years ago, that that was the beginning of the revelation when I moved here to Missouri and he said, well, they all are. Right. No, (laughs) no, that makes perfect sense. I flirted with the idea, uh, an idea, and and this is, uh, look, I, uh, this comes from the book of Dave. So take this with a huge grain of salt, but I, uh, I flirted with the idea here for the last few months of, because we get into this idea of, you know, which church is, quote, the right church, so to speak. And one night I just had this idea, well, maybe they're, they're, they all have something. And maybe it's not necessarily about um, which one is right, but what covenant you're willing to keep, right? And um, not that one is better than the other. That's just where you are at that moment. Um, and, and I I think it comes down way more to covenant than it does to dogma or a proclamation of this one's better, this one's higher or whatever. Um, I I do think it maybe comes down more to covenant. So I like what you said there about, about they're all his, right? I do think that there might be a universal church of Christ, so to speak, where, Anyone who wants to come into the Savior can access that. And if that's through an organization, that's that's valid too. I will say this, though. I think at some point, we we in our walk as disciples of Christ, we have to get to a point, and it's something that the evangelicals talk about a lot, and I think it's true, and I think it's beautiful. And they talk a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a lot more than Mormons do. Um, and, and I think that is so vital, um, because if, if we rely solely on a, an organization, we're going to always be left a little short. If, if we're really seeking Christ, we got to go to him. Um, and there's no intermediary there. He's willing to talk to you, whoever you are. So, so that resonates with me a lot. Um, at what point when when you make that what was the moment like when you made that final decision of okay i guess i'm i guess it's just me and the lord here so to speak what was that like for you well um, what, what finally was, peace, peace. <laughs> finally having yeah and so, that happened really recently just a couple weeks ago really Woo. okay and maybe it's too soon now and if it is we we can table this question but when you're um looking back and how you felt before versus how you feel now what's the difference i think before i felt more of a necessity to do certain things more out of fear and a belief that like I was a bad person, like I, I couldn't possibly achieve the level of goodness that would qualify me for heaven. Mm-hmm. And 
sorry it just makes me cry thinking no, about you're good because now now i understand far greater the love that god has for me and that my savior has for me and that he has work for me to do he believes in me i think some of the spiritual gifts that i have have really helped and him his journey to help me kind of discover those has been a huge blessing because as i've experienced those things and i he's blessed me with confidence confidence that i can feel the spirit confidence that i know that it's from god confidence he's really helped me to recognize when when satan's trying to get in even when it's just a little small feeling and how to take a moment and um separate him from my space again and just bring bring the spirit back and so he's trained me a lot and in that training really that it's been i've found so much more peace and love for myself and it's been a beautiful beautiful thing that's awesome and and again what what you just talked about there about about the savior teaching you things. I don't think that is meant to be had through an organization, to be honest with you. I think that's that personal relationship that I was referring to that, that we can certainly get the foundational stuff through an organization. And I think church organizations do a great job. You, the LDS church does a great job of passing those, those foundational principles along, but there comes a point at which, the Lord wants something more. He He wants a relationship with you just as much as as you desire one with Him. Maybe even more. Um, and and that can't really be had through a church, not because churches are bad, but because it's a personal thing, right? A church can't tailor everything to a certain person. I remember when when I came. When, when I got to this point of, okay, I just need to follow the Savior wherever that is. Um, and it happened again recently where it, it's all of a sudden like, okay, all these options are on the table, right? And and so I shouldn't say options. Um, I love the word you used, free, because now you're free to pursue those things. There's nobody saying that question is off limits. There's nobody saying... You can't pursue this line of thought. Those doors have been kicked down and you can go for it. So while it's scary, it's also kind of exhilarating because now the only thing holding us back is ourselves, right? There's there's no hierarchy to say, we don't ask that question. We don't address this topic. This has been settled or any other thing. We can now just go and pursue truth wherever it lies. And, and I find your testimony of that to be absolutely beautiful. So let, let's, let's move on to the podcast here a little bit. You said you've been feeling this for a couple of months now. And uh, how many episodes you got under your belt? Uh, uh, I've done one interview. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That's all it takes. You just got to you got to start with the first one, right? Um that's that's awesome. So what what did the 
what kind of things did the Lord tell tell you about the podcast? What what how do you see the podcast in terms of its content? What kind of things you want to cover? That sort of stuff. Yeah. Um he told me a few things about it. I it want he wants it to be a place of gathering for any believers to ponder questions that are, like you said, not allowed to be talked about at church and maybe with their peers. I know how that is. Growing up in a specific religion my whole life, most of my friends are also in that religion. And so there's certain things that I was very uncomfortable talking to other people about that God was teaching me. And I wasn't reading about them in other books. I wasn't listening to podcasts. I wasn't like out there delving into all these different things. God was just taking me to the scriptures, teaching me, and there was all of these beautiful things, but it was so hard because I didn't have anyone to talk to. And so I want people to not be alone. And that's what he wants. He wants people to have a safe place to to come and look at these topics and to understand that fellow believers are allowed to tiptoe outside of the box of their religion and that there's beautiful truth outside of the box of their religion and so really it's just a a place of growing faith one thing that he taught me a couple months ago was that gatherings of like-minded believers was meant to be a place of lifting of each other's faith you know when we gather we can share stories of moments of revelation we can share moments where god was there for us and answered our questions and whatever it may be it's supposed to lift everyone in the room. You know, those bearings of testimony and stuff are supposed to help broaden people's faith, help grow their faith, help draw them closer to God and Christ. And instead, um, sometimes religion has put a lid on that box and has, and has put God in a box and God doesn't belong in a box. And there's so much more he wants to teach us. And so um, that's really what the podcast is supposed to be in a place for people to share and be lifted. And I hope that I there's supposed to be a community of some sort. I don't know what that looks like, even if it's just online, just for people to talk. Because we need a place for people to have the open exchange as well, so that they can ask questions and, and have people that aren't trying to destroy their faith. That's the thing is sometimes we... We're interested in a topic, but we're afraid to read the book by that person because they don't believe in God or they don't believe in Christ or, and we don't want to have um, that knowledge brought to us from a place of lacking faith. And so we want it to be a safe place of of like-minded believers and, and seeking truth. And so that's really what the podcast is meant to be. When you say when you say safe a safe place for people to go, define safe. Is it just is it just the opportunity to ask questions? A, an opportunity to ask for questions, but more than that, a place where people aren't condemning each other for what they believe. Really, mm-hmm. it's just my hope is that it's just a place of respect and growth mentality of like there is more and you have something valuable to give 
and I I want to hear it. And I I I may not accept everything that you have to say. I don't be, I don't expect that at all. The people that I interview, I hope they have some really interesting different ideas because that is exactly how we all grow. And I may not receive all of that as truth. And it may not be time for that. And so that's kind of the thing is it's if you if you spend the time reading, then God can take those things you've read and bring it to your heart in that moment where he wants to teach you that it's true. And I found that in the scriptures, you know, you read your scriptures and sometimes God brings that verse into your recollection at a moment where you need to hear it so he can he can solidify that in your heart. And so I just trust that things will be brought to people when they need to hear them. And, and I hope that it can really be a place of respect of people's beliefs and journeys and, and no topic being left on the table. Like, let's, let's talk about anything. You know, I want to hear your journey with something because my journey has been different. You know, there's different things that I needed to learn in my life that have helped me along the way. And so I deep dive into some topics that you may never have. And so I want to hear what you have to say because your deep dives have been different than mine. So it's just mutual respect is what kind of what I mean by that safety and the ability to just honor each other's experiences and hear it and be lifted together. No, I, I think that's awesome. I will say this. Um, get ready for a little bit of pushback because you're going to get it. Um, I'm, I'm doing right now intermittently, I'm doing a series on just kind of the branches of, of, of Mormon fundamentalism. And I had, I still count this person as a friend, but I don't know if they do, but I had done a few episodes that really pushed the boundaries on some things right now. One, you should know by the name of the podcast, I don't care too much for boundaries, and I'm going to overturn some tables from time to time. And one was on uh, race in the priesthood, where I made my position clear at the end of two episodes that, hey, I, th I think everyone deserves to be prayed about and asked if they should receive the priesthood, regardless of race, right? I don't think priesthood is something we should be passing out to every white man willy-nilly, right? Um, it's not a program. It's God's authority. So let's make sure we're vetting it and, and that the person who's going to be carrying the vessels of the Lord um, are, are have that servant's heart. And I don't care what color you are. Let's let's go go in that direction. That fired up this person. Anyway, I did a second episode where I talked to somebody whose church had a really they had beliefs that that I was like, whew, that's out there, right? Like I couldn't get behind really. Well, this yeah. person caught this again and really took me to task saying, you know, these people don't deserve to be heard. They don't deserve to have their beliefs explored. And I'm like, hold on. They're, they're not talking about hurting people. They're not talking about, you know, keeping anyone under their thumb some of the teachings I do find problematic, but not from a sense of they're 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 hurting anybody now, right? And and if that's the case, then let's hear them out. Let's what they see what they have to say. I'm more concerned with reconciliation than I am with winning, right? So often we talk to people and we just get to this point where we want to win. 
Um, and and certainly I think that that in certain circumstances, there may be a time and a place for that. But I think more than that, more times than not, we need to seek for reconciliation. Um, but be prepared because you're going to get some of that. But here's the beautiful thing. You, you Again, I keep going back to this word with you, but free, right? You answer to nobody now. You get to do that. Have you thought about how you might deal with some of that, that pushback? Not really. The only thing that God's kind of told me is to not read the comments. He's told me that multiple times. <laughs> so, because I am a comment reader. I love the comments, not the negative stuff because I, I'm not into that. But um, I do enjoy reading funny comments that people post below things. But he's told me very, very clearly multiple times to not read the comments. So that is the only direction I've had about that so far. I figure I'll deal with it as we come and just prayerfully. And that's the thing is if I'm praying about who to have on my podcast and I'm interviewing people I'm led to interview I just have to trust that there's a purpose for that mm -hmm. interview and that it's going to help someone and you know one thing I've learned in life is sometimes people are in our lives just to teach us how not to do something mm -hmm. you know it's like yep. they're getting it wrong and they're there to teach us that that is wrong and that is definitely not how we want to handle it and how we want to do things and so I don't know God's purpose for all things. All I can, all I can do is trust and move forward. So my that's the plan. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's excellent. So I don't, let me rephrase this. Well, no, I think I can say this. I don't read the comments when I had to respond to my friend who was, was uh, saying some stuff. I had another friend reach out to me going, you may want to read the comments on this one. Um, cause my normal MO is posting ghost, right? I just throw it out there and then I am out. Right. Cause when it comes to the comments, there's only two things that can happen. Right. It, as far as I'm concerned, one is, is that people really like it and they just tell me how good of a job I'm doing or, or thank you, you know, whatever. Right. And then that becomes an ego boost. I don't need that in my life. Right. I, I know I am a flawed person. The closer I grow to the Savior, the more his light continues to illuminate my flaws. Um, so I, I an inflated ego is not something I need. The other thing that can happen is, is someone's going to say something that's just going to flat piss me off. And then I'm going to get into a Facebook conversation where, where nothing's going to change, right? Facebook and social media is the most... Um, ineffective way of communicating with another human being you don't get social cues you don't get you know the response from from facial you know face-to-face -face conversation and so i'm like either of those i just don't need right i don't need an ego boost and i do work really hard not to be pissed off a lot right i mean there's a reason i lift weights and and do jujitsu and that's so i can get all that out um so so yeah no i think you're right um posting ghost and if it's something that needs my attention i have enough friends out there who are like okay you need to pay attention to this because now they're calling your character into into uh question so like one of it was you know hey why are you giving this guy time you're are, are you helping to deceive people and 
that's what really instigated that. So unless they're attacking my character, I'm like, no, posting ghost, I'm done. I'm out. I'll start conversations and then I'll leave. So um, I want to talk about the name of the podcast here a little bit because I find that to be interesting. You're calling it from the dust, right? Yes. Why'd you choose that name? There's many layers to why that name is the one that drew my attention. Initially, it was because there are other books that have been found and translated and I believe are scripture. And so initially, I was told the, the podcast was going to be to explore those books as well. And so that'll be happening at some point. I'm not sure how that will look. But all things are are brought to light. And that includes the good things. You know, in the Book of Mormon, it says that God speaks to the, all of his children in the north, south, the east, the west, and upon the isles of the sea. And he asks them all to write. That's in the Book of Mormon. And I, it's a wonderful chapter. And I think that was really helpful to me to realize, like, when everyone always talks about the truth coming to light, but they always talk about it as all the bad things. And so many people who are good, faithful followers of God have taken the time to write. And it is from the dust because they have passed on. And so we are hearing from people from far long ago, every time we open our scriptures, and there will be so many more good books that come forward. And, and the purpose of those to help all the children of the world know that they've never been forgotten by God. You know, it's not just a 12 tribes of Israel, you know, the world isn't only for them, you know, it's, it's for all of us. And God is aware of everybody, no matter where they are in the world. And so I think God wants all, all of his children to know how much he loves them. And so that is a part of that from the dust the dust of past voices of followers of God that hopefully will be brought more and more to light in the coming days and years and everything. And so that's part of it. Also, you know, from dust thou art from dust to dust thou shall return. And, and it's for me, the name is also a reminder that I am of the dust of the earth. God created the earth. He has so much more to teach me. I am from the dust you know like I know so little compared to everything he has to offer and so part of it there is just a reminder of of who I am and and who God is and where he can take us and um because we're not meant actually to just return to the dust and stay there you know like we are children of God we have a, a soul and we will ascend and so he's not waiting for us to die to help us to ascend you know he wants us to grow and learn and and gain the knowledge you know everyone always says knowledge is the only thing you can take with you when you die he wants us to continue to pursue knowledge all the days of our life no that's awesome you know i've i've thought a lot about this over the last probably three or four years and it's part of the reason i love the doctrine of rebaptism so much right um 
so often if if you're from the the mainstream um lds church you think baptism's a once in a lifetime thing right you go in when you're eight or in my case 17 18 i can't remember but it's a once in a lifetime thing where you go in you get baptized and then you never do it again maybe you go to the temple and you do baptisms for the dead but you yourself are never baptized again when I was starting to look into the early teachings of the church and rebaptism came up, I jumped at the opportunity because for a long time I had flirted with this idea that I think we as humans through this mortal journey that we're on, we die many deaths. So certainly when I first became a Mormon, the guy that was, you know, really good at drinking and just being an overall dirtbag um that dude died right he 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 went away his memories are still contained i can look back and learn from his mistakes but he's passed away now and i think that kind of growth inevitably keeps doing that and I think the name of your podcast is, is at least for me, is a beautiful reminder to that, that we have opportunities to let, let that old person die. Because as we continue to grow and to learn and to change, inevitably, there's something, there's a part of our old selves that die along the way. And someone new is born until we become the person that God intends us to be until we fill that measure of our creation. And so I think as, as certainly I've taken the opportunity for rebaptism at times. And as I felt the need to do that, it's been a beautiful ceremony in recognition of that, of, of letting those old, that old part of me die, you know, those, maybe those, those toxic traits or those toxic beliefs, let those perish. And then from the dust come up again and be something new. Um, I want to ask you about the 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 part right under the main title, which is lifting each other up. How do you see this podcast doing the two things you talked about? Um, community. Mormons, we're a strange group of folks, right? Like we're not happy so much on our own. Some something happens when we become Mormons, and we're like, we need to associate with people, and so. How do you, I, I think it's inherent in our quest for Zion, right? Certainly we can have Zion type families, but it's really hard to build Zion if you're just on your own. And I think even independent Mormon fundamentalists are now coming to that conclusion. So how do you see the podcast developing community? What does that community look like? And then explain the, the second part of, of the name of the podcast, lifting each other up. Explain those to me. Sorry, I'm trying to decide where to take this answer. The community I see as being the family that you don't have around you to to grow with and to uh, arise with towards Christ. I mean, I really believe that everyone can see Christ, whether in spirit, in their dreams, in the flesh, like I don't know what God has in store for everybody, but if they're seeking him, like I know that's possible to be in his presence. And you probably have been more than, you know, because he shows up and loves on you 
and sends you peace and comfort and guidance. I mean, the atonement is such a beautiful thing because he walks with us. He doesn't, he doesn't allow us to endure anything alone. That is one beautiful gift of the atonement is he has literally walked it all with us. We don't walk through anything alone. And so the more that we can share God and our savior, Jesus Christ with the world, the more good and hope and peace that can be spread. And I think that we, the, the new age, like ideas that a lot of people are talking about our, our souls know some of it's true. Right. And so we're going to, so a lot of people are getting drawn to certain things that are true, but then may lose their faith in Christ and may lose the things that they do know is true as well, because what if we don't have any of that? What if, what if those who are following Christ don't talk about these things and we continually ignore them forever? Then the people whose soul, their spirit knows it's true. That little bit of information that we don't have because we've created this box. They're going to go somewhere else. And then what if they lose the most precious truths? And so part of that for me is that this is a safe place to maybe exit the box, but also maintain your faith. And so that's kind of the community and the lifting because just as a, as a group, we all rise, we can each be that stepping stone. Like what I see in when I envision it is a ladder to ascending to heaven and each there's all of these people holding on to that ladder and reaching down to help the next person up. And that's when we share and when we talk about the things that God has taught us and we're able to testify the things that we know are true, we're able to be that, that hand that reaches down to someone who is wondering and they're lost and helps lift them higher without them losing the most beautiful parts which is God you know like God and Christ and it's also beautiful and I don't want people to lose that and so I think one of the things that God told me I was watching Joan of Arc and in a week we watched Joan of Arc and then we watched Harriet and it's this and Harriet the second one is when he told me this I was watching that and she's, you know, helping so many people escape slavery. And years ago, I was told that I would help the Underground Railroad in the modern, the modern day Underground Railroad. And I had no idea what that meant. For a, for a lot of years, I thought that meant that when the world fell apart or when people were going to get forced to take back seeds or whatever the world, like whatever crap the world was going to blow up into, I could have be a safe place for people to come and know that they're even hide out so like in in the houses I've had I've even had like empty space behind a wall that like so people could even have somewhere to go like literally physically and it's so funny to me now because I look back on that and I'm like that was me trying to fulfill a calling because God had told me you know like you'll help with the underground railroad and I didn't know what really what that meant and so he took me on this journey even through all of that to this moment where I'm watching Harriet and she's saving all of these people from slavery. And I'm like, okay, heavenly father, like this seems so brave and so incredible, the work that she did. How 
Like, do I have a calling like that in any kind of way? Is there something that I can do to help people? And he told me that is what your podcast is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a safe exit from slavery. And, and I know we already talked about it. Like I love the church I grew up in because of the faith that it implanted in my heart, you know, and helped teach me. And it was this beautiful scaffold. But at the same time, why did it take me a year to leave? Why did it take me a year? Because I was terrified of what all of those people were going to think of me. And so was I a slave to fear? Was I a slave to an organization that I was afraid was going to reject me? Yeah, I really was. And so he told me, like, this can be a safe exit from this, the fear and the boxes that people have put themselves in to help them know that they can they can escape and they can be free that's awesome i remember there to do what you're doing now in not just the podcast but leaving the church and seeking higher things you have to do it and and this is spooky, and I remember feeling this way. When you're starting to pursue truth, you have to do it with reckless abandon. You have to be able to set your sights on that North Star, which should be the Savior and his teachings, the restored teachings that we get from him, and then pursue it with reckless abandon. Um, I remember feeling somewhat the same way you did, right? Not fearing the process of seeking truth, but the process of disappointing people, right? That process, because because we do make those relationships, right? Um, I made it with, with a guy who baptized me in the LDS church. I had it in, in another group that I recently left where, where, you form those relationships, but all of a sudden things happen that you can't get behind. You can't make work because you've received your answer from God himself that says, this is wrong. You can't do this. And so you, you, the thing that holds us back is this fear of disappointing them because you love them, right? It's not like we have to worry about about the Mormon police coming in and kicking down your door and black bagging you and taking you to a re-education center. That's not what they do. They're not dangerous, but it's that fear of disappointing someone because we love them. Right. And so to do what it is you've recently done and, and we'll continue to do reckless abandon, just throw it on, on in the Lord's time and be like, I'm out. One of the things I love is, is, are are some of the early founders of of the United States, and George Washington's my my favorite. He's my hero. I'll never be anywhere near what Washington is, but this was a guy in the 1700s that stood like six foot two, which was just unheard of. And in battle, he rode a white horse, right? And so he's the biggest target out there, and he just goes with that reckless abandon, and somehow is protected. And I think as we do these sorts of things, we have to adopt that mentality of, you know what, the Lord's got it. 
he's asked me to do something. I just need to go do it. And then damned be the consequences. Um, I've always said the truth will make you free, but it's going to make you miserable first. Um, and, and I really believe that um, because growing is not an easy process, right? Growing hurts, whether that's physically or spiritually and emotionally. Um, there's times I'm at the gym where I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I here? I don't hurt like this when I just eat a cheeseburger and watch football. Um, but I know the end result is better than where I am at now. And so how did you overcome that fear? Right. Cause I think that's what holds a lot of people back from, from filling the measure of their creation is, is that fear. How did you get past that? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by DeseretFlag.com. I've said this before and I really mean it. Mormonism isn't just a religion, it's a culture. As such, it has its own vernacular and practices, but also its own symbols. And those symbols become even more important and prominent when you look back into our history. Perhaps one of the most recognizable symbols of Mormonism is the Deseret flag. This is the flag that I use as cover art in this podcast. This was also used for a good chunk of time during the pioneer era in Utah. Now, today we have people who want to replace the existing Utah flag with some other progressive monstrosity. Well, I think it's damn past time that we start pushing back here a little bit in Utah. Our friends at Defending Utah are here to help you with that. Now, if you go to DeseretFlag.com, you can now purchase your own Deseret State flag. It's time here that we start making ourselves known and join the resistance against those who seek to rewrite our state's history. Go to DeseretFlag.com or check out the link in this episode's page show notes and get yours today. Can't get enough of the Mormon Renegade podcast? Well, good news. We're on Patreon and there's three packages that you can choose from. The first one, the Slightly Rowdy Package, allows you to hear the podcast without all those pesky commercials getting in the way. For those who want a slightly more in-depth experience, there's the Stirring It Up Package, where you can hear ad-free audio, ad-free video, and transcripts. Finally, for those who want to go full Renegade, that package is available too, where you can get everything in the previous two packages, plus an extra show where myself and Ben Winfield break down the news of the day from a very Mormon point of view. You will also get exclusive access to Renegade Chat, and on there you'll be able to talk to others about the show or whatever topics are on your mind. Go to Patreon today and get your exclusive content. Years of really hard things. <laughs> that helped me to be really brave in the face of really hard things. And, I mean, there was, I kept waiting for life to get easier and instead it got harder every year it got worse and worse and I was like wait a second you said it was going to be hard for a couple years it's been 10 like that's a decade when it <laughs> since when is that a couple you know <laughs> and so right. I just went through a lot and um so it felt a lot like that but it was like through all of that, you know, the church and my faith was my, the bandaid, you know, the warm blanket, the hug that I always had there with me. And so then the next step with God saying, okay, I need you to stop relying on the arm of flesh. And I need you to just follow me. So it was just like that safety blanket he was then taking away. And it was really hard. And but it was the same process. The same process of learning to trust in him was the same. It's the same process. It's just another step, you know, and I, and I, and I can see how I am 
prepared for this moment because of that, because of the years of learning to trust him, years of going through tremendous upset and um, trauma at times and different things that helped me to have the kind of confidence in the Lord to know that he could actually get me through this and he could actually carry me and it would actually be beautiful at the end. You know, I had no idea a couple years ago when life was the hardest it has ever been that a year or two later, it would be the most beautiful mm-hmm. and the most fun and the most exciting because like you said, even when he asked me to do the podcast, he told me, you can choose to, to not do it. I mean, obviously I'm not going to make you. And it was just like this feeling, this knowing that I knew I didn't have to, I could choose not to, if I wanted to, I could say no. But I also knew along with that, that I would be choosing to stay small for the Lord. Mm -hmm. I would be choosing to stay small for my own life. Like I had one of the other things that I really believe is that we choose the major aspects of our life before we're born. And so I, I really believe that I chose this, but I knew that I couldn't do this podcast until I did the rest, you know, but until I walked through that fire to get myself right here to where I would be a new person in Christ. I would be a new person the way I trusted him, the way I was willing to believe in his, the, the magic of what he can do in inside of us and in the world. And so it's just, I've changed a lot, but he's helped me that whole way. He's prepared me. Gotcha. You, you, you hit on something that, that, that I think is super important that I, I struggle with constantly and that's keeping kind of that eternal perspective, right? I think there's something about the human condition that keeps us very myopic, right? Um, keeps us in this mode of tunnel vision, right? And in that, when when we have that tunnel vision, not only do we tend to put limits on what we can do, but in a lot of ways, we end up, end up putting limits on what God can do. You talk about really honestly believing that that you were called to this which i can totally resonate with um like with the podcast it's another full-time job that i don't really see a penny from i think i might be positive 200 bucks at this point um but how so so it it takes kind of that eternal perspective how do you keep that when times are tough right it's one thing to do it when everything is great and everything seems to be flowing just right. It's another thing to keep that eternal perspective when the whole world seems to be crashing in. How do you do that? Because I, I, I get a feeling that, that that kind of eternal perspective, along with, with personal revelation, is really what carried you through some of those darker times you were talking about. Well, it was during those dark times that I learned really what eternal perspective really was and what carrying that with you really meant. And so I, how do I, just thinking about your question, how do I keep the eternal perspective? You know, it was a lot of work at first where, because like you said, we're really myopic. And so I would see my problems right in front of my face 
And one time, um, I live near this place called Adamon Diamond, and I felt prompted to go over there. And it's this beautiful, mostly park. There's some walkways and stuff, but it's a place that LDS Church owns, but um, is believed to be the um, where Adam dwelt. And so, anyway, so I go over there and I'm I'm prompted to get on this rock. There's this big stone rock and it's kind of right before this major drop in the in the, the land. And I climb up on that rock and I'm feeling a little silly and I say, okay, what am I to learn? Why do you have me standing on this rock? And he said, look. And I looked around and it was such a beautiful view. And you could see so much from up there this whole valley and all the trees beyond. And it had such an expansive view. And he said, from if you were down there, all you would see is the corn in your face. Like if you're standing in that cornfield, all you would see is the corn right there in your face, all around you. He said, but isn't it beautiful up here? This is my view. This is my view. I see it all. This is my expansive view while you stand there in the cornfield with it in your face <laughs> you know and he's like so trust me and so um for a while I wanted to understand how the idea of trusting in the Lord wasn't just allowing someone else to control you right because I'm like well I can understand you're like well trust the Lord follow what he asks you to do and I'm like well if I'm just praying all the time and asking for guidance and he's telling me what to do how is that not just like controlling right <laughs> and maybe that seems silly, but I had a lot of friends at the time that were like, oh, God is so controlling and whatever. And so I really was asking like, okay, so I can understand that point of view. So how do I, how is it not? You know, if I'm just giving away all my agency to someone else, like, is that what God wants to just control us? No, that doesn't make sense to me. And so as I prayed about that, what I learned was that we made a choice of the kind of life that we would want to lead. We, we wanted to learn certain things in this life. We wanted to do certain things in this life. And he was there to guide us and help us to accomplish those things. And so what I learned is that he is like the gatekeeper of our future that we want. So in this flesh, we don't know what that is because we have this veil. But he does. He knows who we are. Our angels know who we are. Our the, the the people that are sent to teach us and um spiritually, you know, like they know who we are. And so they're not controlling us. They're trying, it's like a little kid who doesn't know how to walk and they don't know that they're gonna be this adult someday. And you're there to teach them and guide them and hold their hand. And that's really what the savior is for us because he he has been there when we decided all of those things. And so he knows who we want to be. He knows the best way for us to get there. So he's just asking us to trust him in knowing who we are and knowing where we want to go. And so it's not controlling at all. It's He's just like so selfless. <laughs> he yeah. is so selfless on so many levels. The Savior is such an incredible person. The more he teaches me about what he does and the things that he's there for us. I'm just blown away at how, how much a part of our lives he is and all the different ways that he 
helps us along the way. And so anyway, so that actually really helped me. And eternal perspective, I guess, you know, the understanding that there's major things that we did choose helps, but also understanding like that God is prepared for every eventuality. You know, when I was going early on in my divorce process, um, cause I'm divorced is that I wondered, you know, why did God tell me to marry this person? If this was going to be the outcome, mm-hmm. <laughs> come on, <laughs> I can think of a better outcome than this. It's the one I hoped for the whole time, you know? And so why would God have me marry this person if this was going to be the end of it? You know? And what he told me is that there was, he said, Sarah, there's a hundred options. Like, you know, he had a hundred different options of who he would choose to be. And this is just the path he chose. He said, but don't worry because I've prepared for all hundred paths. Right. And I want to get too caught up on that hundred. I think he just wanted me to know that there are so many options for our lives that we can walk. And because we have agency, you know, like even if we have that life plan, agency always is there. And so he chose a certain path that ended up this way. And that's just the way it is. But God has prepared my life for this already. It's not like it was a surprise to him. And so I guess there's just been a lot of different teachings along the way that he has brought into my understanding that have helped me to not worry so much about the here and now. You know, sometimes I start worrying about how I'm going to do this repair on my house or something, you know, something just human. (laughs) Right. And he just kind of goes, well, Sarah, how did you get it fixed last time? I was like, well, not anything I did. I mean, I put on elbow grease, but you know, I, he's the miracle worker that makes it all happen. And so he just reminds me a lot that, um, I don't have to give much for him to, to move mountains and he's prepared. You know, I, I would worry a lot about, um, early on in my divorce process with like court hearings or whatever that was going on, I would have so much anxiety about it. And he, I remember one time you sold, told me, Sarah, there is nothing you can do to mess this up. <laughs> Just stress me. <laughs> and that was really helpful. It was really helpful to know that I, because he kept telling me like, you're a good person. You are, I love you. You have done well. And there's, and so trust, knowing that he trusted me to be me and to make decisions and to move throughout this life. And he's not, he's not keeping this tab of all the things I've done wrong. You know, I think sometimes we think about like all these little things that, that, at least for me, I was really hard on myself. I would think about, oh, I, you know, I said something in the wrong tone. <laughs> I'm going to hell, you know, like so hard on myself for something really small. And, and he's really taught me that a lot, those things are so small, <laughs> you know, they're just, they're so small and he loves us so much. And it's, and it's important. And that he trusts me to be kind and he trusted me to, um, to do life and that I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And so I don't know if that really answers your question, but no, I, no. 
No, it 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 does. It does. A, a couple thoughts I had on that. And you just gave something really spiritual and eloquent. Now I'm about to relate it to something somewhat brutish. Um, I played a lot of football. I mean, a lot of football. I played in high school, got married early, didn't play college, but I ended up playing kind of a semi-pro team that would go around the, the Intermountain West. We'd go up to Washington and Montana and down, you know, northern utah and oregon and, and northern california and i played fullback and i remember we got this this new coach and we were we were practicing and we just didn't like the playbook right it was something different than this team had ever done before and he said something that that stuck with me He's like, you just got to trust the process. You can't get to, you know, just trust the process. And it was a, a ground-based offense, which means we were just running the ball. Now, I'm not fast. I'm not shifty, but I'm big, right? And so as a fullback, my job was to take the ball and crash right into the line and try to push it as hard as he could. And the first quarter sucked all the time right i just i feel like all i'm doing is just ringing my own bell because i just keep hitting that line over and over and over and over and then the second quarter comes around maybe we start getting two yards or three yards and then by the time we're in, well into the third quarter it's seven eight nine ten yards and all of a sudden that persistence just paid off and and so why we, we need to keep that eternal perspective and that would be looking ahead, right? That is just what, what is it I'm supposed to learn from this? What is it I'm supposed to understand? But also this, this walk with Christ, this whole thing, you had better be tenacious. You had better glom onto this and understand this is what it's about. And it's going to feel like a grind. It's going to feel like you're hitting a wall and not gaining a single inch. But at some point, if you stay tenacious, right? And this is where I think those little things come into play in our walk with Christ. The prayers, the the reading the scriptures, those sorts of things. That's that's trusting the process, right? And I think all those things can continue to add to that eternal perspective that we need to keep in order to move it forward. You said something else that really struck me that, that, you know, he's not so often we, we view God, especially God, the father as this, this guy who's just waiting to bring the hammer down on us. Right. First time you screw up, here comes the hammer. Right. Um, as I grow closer to God, the more I find that is not an accurate representation of who he is. Um, I've never shared this before publicly like I'm about to, but I remember about a year ago, I had a dream that I died. And I remember I was in this room and I knew it was my final judgment. I knew that it was, it was time. And I saw the savior come in the door and he sat down at this table and he just smiled. And I'm like, I must have screwed up so bad that he thinks it's laughable I'm even here talking to him, right? That was my first thought. And he just leaned in and he goes, well, how was it? 
How was your experience <laughs> down there? I want to hear about it. Right. And that was it. Right. And then all of a sudden there's this conversation and I, oh, I get goosebumps and kind of tear up when I think about it. I felt very comfortable in his presence. Right. Now, I'm not saying that's doctrine. I'm saying that's what I needed at that time, right? My hopes are, and I have faith, that when we get to the other side, it's not, well, I've checked the checklist, and boy, you really sucked, right? And just start writing it down. I, I think it's going to be much more about, how was it? What'd you learn? Tell me about it. Let, let's talk about a few of these things, right? Um, and And I really think that's who God our Father is at the heart of this, right? Um it's, I used to say it's an unfortunate truth, and I don't say that anymore. But it is a truth that we learn way more from our failures than we do from our successes. Um, if if we're successful, we don't feel the need to be self, self-reflective and be introspective about how we could have done things better. Um, but if we're, if we take a couple of losses, right, we take a couple L's, all of a sudden now you got to go to that tape to put it back again into a British football thing. And we got to review the tape and we got to be like, and get honest with ourselves and be like, Oh, I could have done better there. You know, I could have handled this situation differently. I could have done this. The beauty I think to that line of thinking as it, as it relates to, to eternal perspective is that now there's no more bad experiences. They're just experiences, right? It may have sucked to go through. I don't want to make light that that we don't get miserable because we sure do. But all of those things work out to make us who we're supposed to be, to fill that measure of that creation. Um, let, let me ask this question to you. As, as you begin to do the podcast here, what are some of the things you're most worried about encountering along the way? I I don't know. I think this my fears are still kind of the more prideful ones. <laughs> just encountering the losing friends over it. I think that's pretty much a given. And being I've always been a bit of a loner and I I hope that we can find I can find friends in this that are more like me, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that sounds silly and childish, but I think, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in our family units. One thing God has really taught me a lot about is that family really is, can be created and that we are all brothers and sisters because we're all as children anyway. And so sometimes we get really caught up on just like, oh, our family group or our church family or something, but family can be created all around us. And like in heaven, you know, like we are so happy with everyone who's there. And so I don't even remember your question. <laughs> what, but, what were some of your, your fears or challenges you see coming up in doing the podcast? I think talking about um, multiple lives and stuff, I guess that kind of scares me a little. It's so outside of the box. I'm not, I, there's other things that are more 
because they're all kind of personal, I guess, you know, like the things that we learn that are outside of the box with God, once we start talking about those things, it, it gets a little more scary because it's personal for us, you know, because we, we know these things to be true. We feel it in our heart and our soul and God has taught us himself, you know, and that's the thing is like, I've had the Lord teach me things. I know I have a heavenly mother. I have seen her and she has taught me things and I love her. And so there's certain things that are just more personal that it's a little scary um, to be, to be that vulnerable. So I guess it's not even necessarily topics um, as much as it is the vulnerability. It's scary to be that vulnerable. I'm one of those people that has like, 200 Facebook friends. I'm not on really other social media platforms barely at all. It's just not who I am in that way. And so that's what's scary for me. I'm scared to put myself out in the world like that and and be so vulnerable with the people I love. Like I love sorry. No, you're I'm good. Crying so much. But I I love my Heavenly Father. I love my Heavenly Mother and my Savior. I love all of the different people who have come to visit me spiritually. Like, um, I've had so many different people come teach me. And I love them. And I'm so grateful that they take the time to come talk to little me. You know, I feel so unimportant. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I feel don't, so don't apologize. I feel so unimportant in the world. Like I'm just just me. And there's so many other people out there that are have a stronger personality or who <laughs> who love all this tech stuff. But yet they still come and teach me and they still are willing to hold my hand. And they're still willing to ask me to do hard things. And they still believe in me. Like the, the things that I've been asked to do. I'm like, I can't believe that you are trusting me with this. And, but they do. And so the vulnerability can be hard on such a mass scale. Because I'm, I'm really good at that person to person. I'm really willing to share stuff when it's a little more intimate. And so that's that's just the scary thing like the different topics that i know are going to be more inflammatory to people like um man plural marriage really riles people up <laughs> man uh multiple lives really really riles people up the idea that um that that their church any church it doesn't have to be the lds church the mainstream lds because lots of people believe their church is the only way you're going to manage to get to heaven right and so challenging that that really what what are we really meant to do is follow christ and that's it you know and so he will teach us i've been telling people for a couple of years that everything that we think to be true there's going to be misconceptions all of us have them and that when we start learning at the feet of christ he will help all of those misconceptions fall away until our, our understanding is pure and aligned with more with them. And so when he says, you know, I want, 
I want them to be one with me and you, Father. That's to me what that means. You know, like when we are aligned with his desire to to love his children, to give them chances, to encourage them and bring them hope. That's what he wants us to be aligned with and to love ourselves and to realize like we are so much more than just this life. And there's so much more to be had even after this life. And I don't know. I just think it's all really beautiful. And I really hope that, that I can do them justice and that I can knock it in the way of whatever the Lord wants this podcast to be. And, and that it'll turn into what something beautiful. So, well, let, let me say this about vulnerability. We're in a world today where both the secular world and even the religious world is highly choreographed, right? It's highly produced. And in that process, there is no authenticity that is available. I think that's one of the reasons this whole podcast space has blown up. And I think it applies to Mormonism as well. Um, it'll be your vulnerability and your authenticity that that was certainly a draw to have you on the podcast, right? I don't have time for fake people that want to just spit shine everything and make it look its absolute best. I've got no time for that. Um, I want to know the real stuff, but real stuff requires vulnerability. But it's in that vulnerability and that authenticity that I think we find ourselves doing the most growth. Um, I think I've shared this once before, but not to this detail. About two years before I left the LDS church, I felt the Lord say, and this this caught me off guard. He, I, I felt him say, "You got some stuff you need to work out, son." I was like, "Great, let's you and me work it out." He's like, "You're kind of too comfortable here. Go find a counselor." Now, as a guy of my personality, the last thing I want to do is go talk to a shrink, right? I'm like, "No, thank you for trying, but no." And he said, just look, and I'll point you in the right direction. And so I found one, and she was amazing. Um, we talked for a little while before I got down to my issues, right? And my issues were, um, before I left the LDS church for good, um, when I had, I'd engaged in plural marriage for about five years, and that fell apart. And so my answer to that was I'll I'll lift more weights and eat more steak and then I'll just tamp it down and it'll be fine. Um it's not necessarily the case. It's not great, not not a good it might be good like for about 6 months, but after a while that crap starts to percolate and you got to get that out. And I remember um she she leaned over once and she, she just said you're holding back. This counselor did you're holding back. 
and you're wasting your money. I can sit here all day and listen to you complain about things, but there's something else. What is it? And it was at that moment, I just, because she was devoutly LDS. So I was like, okay, you asked for it, sister. Here we go. And so I tell her this whole journey, right? And I was like, okay, now when I was done, I just kind of leaned back in my chair. I was like, okay, now here's where she kicks me out, right? Where she's like, get out of my office and make sure you use a napkin and don't touch the door handle with your ecky polygamy germs. Get out of here, right? But that wasn't the case. She just kind of sat and she looked at me and she's like, okay, that makes sense. And I was like, let me guess. Your recommendation is, is uh, that that I I go and I make, well, first she said, okay, so did you repent of living in plural marriage? And I was like, no, no, because I know it's a true principle. And I know that this was a problem between people, not the principle. And I thought, okay, here's the part where she's going to tell me to go and talk to whoever I need to talk to in the LDS church and get this cleaned up. And she just goes, I have a testimony of it too. And she's like, I think you did it for the right reasons. And I had a few more visits and then it was done. And I've come to realize that what that did is that was clearing the path before me to, to be able to become a fundamentalist, to make peace with that, to, um, to get ready to have Tanya come into the family. Right. Um, but if I wasn't vulnerable, we wouldn't have got to that point. The world that we live in today is starved for authenticity. And unfortunately, you can't get authenticity without being vulnerable. So that'll be something that that will carry you through for quite a while, uh, is being able to be authentic. Um, let me ask you this. when When you made the decision to leave to leave the LDS church and then start this new journey. You mentioned you had seven kids. How did you, how are you navigating that with them? And, and I want to dive into this because this is a question I get a lot from people. I get about three to 400 emails a week consistently. And one of the big questions that always comes up is people are like, I, I don't know how to raise my kids with spiritual values because the church has done it for me for so long. How, how have you navigated that? Well, one of the questions, it, it may not sound like this is connected at the beginning, but I'll connect it. Sure. I'll connect it around. Um, growing up, my mom used to always say that um, it was such a blessing to be born into the church. And I remember thinking like, well, Why? You know, sometimes I would listen to people's ta uh, testimonies about joining the church as a teenager, adult, whatever. And I'd say, they have, they seem to have a better life understanding than me because they've lived it without it. So they can appreciate it better, right? Like, so am I really benefited from being born in the church? And I guess, I don't know. Anyway, so she would say stuff like that. I was like, I would always just wonder, hmm, why? Hmm, why? Like, I don't understand. And I mean, obviously I was active. I had testimony. Like I love the church, but I, it was just that idea of like, 
the extra, it was somehow extra blessings, you know? And I was like, I don't know if I really believe that. And I don't know how I feel about that statement. Um, excuse me. The, so a couple weeks ago, I was praying about my children because I've only stopped really going to church. I don't know. It's been like three or four weeks or something like that. And before that, like I hadn't gone a whole lot, but we'd been sick and we'd been traveling. Like there was reasons. This was like one of the first, this was the moment where I said, okay, I'm not going back. And so I was praying about my kids because my kids don't understand fully. They, how could they, you know, we go to church every single Sunday, their whole lives. And suddenly we're just not going. And so I was praying about how to handle that because I've been on this, this whole spiritual journey myself, but how do I help my kids understand? You know, my journey was based on this foundation of going to church every Sunday till I was 30. I'm 32. Right. And so that foundation helped me to be ready for like the, no, don't go anymore. I want you to just like walk with me answer. So how do I deal with that with my kids? And what, what, what I was told was that I was born into the church so that I could have the growth and the learning and the understanding so that by 32, you know, I could be here and prepared for this answer that, that my children, because I'm the one who's raised them they are now in a place to start that journey and go through it faster so that their work for the Lord can start sooner and they can go even further in their lives. Mm. And so I encourage everyone to look at it that way. You're not, they're not missing out on something. You're giving them an advanced pivot, <laughs> an right. advanced question into what could be in a beautiful and incredible journey for them. They're going to have to figure it out with the Lord themselves for a lot, but we all do. And so learning how to trust the Lord with each person is a huge thing. I think that has brought me a lot of peace. You know, that was another thing I learned in my divorce was that I can't control this person. I can't, I can't even like, um, I can't even always be the one to teach them. Like there's so many things that you try to express to someone um, in any kind of relationship and they may not understand. And you just have to trust that if they're meant to, that God can help them. And so, you know, that was that, that teaching for me in my relationship was that it was never yours to teach. It was always me. It was always the Lord who was meant to teach those lessons. And so you know, as a family, we read scriptures. We talk about God a lot. I mean, I, just because I stopped going to church doesn't mean I stopped talking about God. I mean, he's the reason, <laughs> he's the reason, he's the reason I'm doing like everything I'm doing in my life. You know, my whole life is founded on him. And so we still pray and read our scriptures and talk about God. And I encourage them to pray for guidance every single day. I encourage them to read their scriptures and develop and I tell them like you, you know, as you read the scriptures, you develop the knowing for the, the spirit where you get to, to know and recognize the Holy ghost in your life and truth. 
And that's how you gain the foundation so that as you go throughout life and life gets confusing and there's all these questions you're going to have, that you know what that truth and the goodness and the spirit feels like so that you don't get lost. And so, and I just, that's all I can do is really just encourage them to, to break open the boxes they have around God and around themselves and to grow a relationship with the Holy Ghost themselves and, um, and to seek God because that's all, that's really all I can do. And that's, that would be my suggestion. That's what, that's the hope that I'm holding on to as a parent, because I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know if all my kids are going to be as focused on God as they continue to grow and go through their teen years and get married and leave the house and all of that. But the thing is, is I trust the Lord with them. Yeah. You hit on something that I came to the conclusion of a, a few years back. Um, and this has to do with both missionary work as, as well as raising your kids. Um, I was like thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to teach my kids as much as I can? So I got my grip on awfully tight, right? I was like, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to bear perfect testimony of this principle. And I have to do this, this, and this. And then one morning, one Sunday morning, right before we had our, our sacrament meeting, I was on my knees praying. Um, I was like, okay, Lord, um, please help me, help me do the, do enough to, to get them, you know, where they need to be. And it was so quick and so stark. The answer was, I don't need you to do that. I just need you to make an appointment for me with your children. And I'll take it from there. I think that's what we're supposed to do in raising our kids. And in um, even when we do missionary work, we don't convert anybody, right? We can teach principle. We can bear testimony of principle. But that should be to the end of making the appointment with the Savior for that person. Help set the appointment up. That's it. He is more than capable of doing his work our work just set up the appointment and i i think if i'm if i'm not mistaken if i am please correct me but i think that's what you're saying just just point them to the savior and he can do his own work he doesn't need us to do his job for him we can't we we i suck i suck at it right to be right honest with you the savior's way more effective at that than i am so I, 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 I can identify with that a lot too. Um, what's that? Well, what I was going to I wanted to say something. God knows and the savior knows the direction their life is supposed to take. We don't know that as parents. So we can't tailor their education for their future unless we rely on the Lord. Like one thing that I do during family scripture study is I have stopped reading just like in order years ago. And I, so I have where I just pray and ask like, where are we supposed to study tonight? And that is really helpful because sometimes we don't read more than one verse before the Lord, the spirit's like, 
Sarah, I need you to teach this to your kids. And we go off on this great conversation and we only read one verse, but it, it pivoted into this beautiful thing that we, that the spirit had me teach. And I, sometimes I didn't even know it. It's like, wow, you brought like the, the spirit will teach me something. And then it's like, okay, teach your kids. And so we talk about it. So in conjunction with the Holy ghost, like he can guide you on the things that you can teach your kids. But honestly, it's not your job because only, only they know what that kid needs for their future. And so I'm not doing nothing, you know, like we are reading, I pray for them. We pray together. I point them towards the Lord as much as I can, but in the end, it's that spirit will witness to their heart. And there's nothing that I can, I can't force any of it. There's no way. So I just trust them. And honestly, I'm really excited to see the path of their life. And I yeah. think that is really helpful for me. That I just look at it very differently. I'm really excited to see where God takes them. I really am. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. I got one more question I want to wrap up with, but first I want to ask you, is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to cover? Anything you want to explore more about your podcast or anything? You know, there was a couple things that I thought of as we were talking, but I don't know if I remember what those were at this very moment. Um, I, I guess the only thing is I'll add is like that, if you are curious about spiritual gifts like that, that is going to be a big thing for me. I want people to embrace mm -hmm. who they are and, and learn their spiritual gifts. And so some of the people that I will have on there too, it's not just like faith journeys about, you know, coming under Christ or anything like that, just stuff like that. Like there's going to be so many different things that we talk about. And some of those things will be spiritual gifts because and miracles, because there's a lot of things that the scriptures say will only we, we will only lose among the believers if we lose the faith for those miracles and those spiritual gifts. And so I hope to build faith even in those things. And so. Well, let me ask you me. this. Let's let's explore that for just a second. Are you OK on time? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. How did you go about discovering your spiritual gifts? Because we hear about it, right? Um, we we all have these gifts. How do you discover those? How did you discover those? Well, I was actually kind of by accident. I have this really old house that needs a lot of work. And, and I was feeling very unprepared for times ahead and thinking like it would be good to have a spirit a priesthood holder around and god started sending people to tell me hey if you ever need somewhere to live you can come live with us and i'm like i have a house like why why do people keep telling me i can come live with them with my kids i have a house you know and even though it wasn't a great house but i just kept going okay heavenly father what point are you trying to make here and then he sent someone who said hey if you ever need somewhere to live you can come and live out with us and it was this family who is building this um this big building to receive people like there's a bunch of bunk beds there's extra clothes there's food storage um so they can be prepared to receive people 
who they feel are coming, you know, will be coming. And so I felt like I was supposed to move out there and it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, but I lived out there for a couple months with my kids. And one of the, the major reason was that I was supposed to learn about my spiritual gift. And because this family, they weren't only trying to prepare physically for the, for other people. I mean, really selfless in that way, but they also had spiritual gifts in their family and were actively pursuing and believing and taking the time to try to converse with the Lord and hearing angels and stuff like that. And so they just invited me to come to one of their like gathering type things. And it was just a really interesting experience that really brought in my mind of like what was possible to see. And cause she could see spirits and she could see these things. And I'm like, well, I don't see that, but I've had some interesting experiences. Like I've had these visions. I've had interest, like teaching dreams Wow. at night. And, and so I've had these other spiritual experiences, but I didn't have anything like that. And so it just, it, another, it was just another thing that kind of like broke open the box of what was possible in life. And because the scriptures say that, you know, there's so many different spiritual gifts. And so she, we were praying, we were together one night and, um, there was in someone there, a messenger there, and they were speaking through her and it was a lovely message. And then it suddenly just stopped. And she said, I feel like someone else is supposed to be the voice. And I, and I was like, okay, I wonder who that is. And then suddenly I heard this like voice that was not mine. And she said, Sarah, I need you to speak. <laughs> and I said, what? No, like that is terrifying. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and she only gave me like three words to say. I'm like, that's not even a whole sentence. That's what I told her. I said, that's not even a whole sentence. You expect me to do something so scary and start just talking when you didn't even give me a whole thought. <laughs> it's like, come on. And she said, Sarah, I need you to have the faith. Just speak and I will give you the rest. And we kind of argued for a bit. <laughs> And then finally, my friend was like, is anyone hearing anything? Because there was a couple of us. And I was like, it's me. <laughs> it's me. And so I started saying what she was telling me. And it was a like, it was a lovely message. I don't remember exactly what was said. And so I feel like I was kind of thrown into the deep end a little bit. It was like, oh, look, this is a great possibility. Push. <laughs> yeah. And just threw me into the deep end and it was so scary but you know after that I was told because I asked like why did you do that to me and I was told that they wanted me to know that I was important enough too to talk to like it's not just other people you know like I think sometimes we put other people on a pedestal and we go oh look at them they can receive this incredible revelation oh wow they have these great spiritual gifts but what if that's us too, <laughs> you know? And what if we are loved, just as loved? What if we are just as worthy? We just needed to open a door. And so I was kind of pushed into that kind of realm, but 
I, it was such a beautiful experience and I prayed about it so often. Like, is this really from you, Heavenly Father? Is this really a message from God? This isn't evil, right? Like I would just pester him, (laughs) really pester him over and over again, trying to make sure that I wasn't doing anything evil, that this was all really from him. And so in that process of that journey, it just gave me so much more courage to believe outside of the box, live outside of the box, and to believe in myself and have more confidence that um, one thing that this, one of the women who visited us a couple of weeks ago, one of the things she said to me was, it's really interesting to see someone who I knew in heaven think so little of themselves. Mm. And that really struck me because the way she said it, one of the things is like, when you're conversing with someone who has passed on, at least what I have found is you don't, I don't just hear them. I feel their emotions behind it and more of an explanation. It's like more in DNC, they call it a pure intelligence, pure intelligence. Right. And maybe in more modern terms, we might just call it telepathy or something, but it's more pure intelligence where it's not just words. It's like, the concepts, the emotion behind it, the the explanation is there too. It, like you feel it in your heart. And so her saying that to me was just so eye-opening and gave me a lot of peace. And has, I have thought about it a lot because it's like, I think about people that I love and I look up to. And I think, wow, what if, what if, I would feel so sad if they thought of themselves the way I think of myself. And so what if, what if that's how they think, what they feel about me? You know, if they think, if everyone else looks at you and thinks, oh, you're great. And you're sitting there thinking how awful you are. Like how sad. I wouldn't want that for my children. I wouldn't want that for anyone I love. I want them to see themselves fully. You know, we get really caught up in our, what we would maybe consider our flaws we get really caught up in that but god sees us in all of our beauty and our glory and the goodness in us you know he's not throwing up all the bad stuff in front of his face all the time and that's what he thinks of you no he's always thinking of all the good all the wonderful things and so that was really helpful for me to hear and just remember like i am more than what i see what i hold up in front of my own eyes when I look in the mirror, you know, so, and that's true for all of us. You know, I think, and and I think you alluded to this in that part you talked about where, where you didn't want to be the voice in, in that situation there. Sometimes I think we have to be willing to put ourselves in, in uncomfortable situations in order to discover what those are. The other thing I'll say is that I'm not a believer in you were born with these spiritual gifts and that's all you get, right? I tend to think that those ones that you have by nature can be developed and honed and, and made, made into tools for, for the benefit of God and his children. The other thing I'll say is that you may be in circumstances where you need a gift that maybe you don't feel like you have, right? And that can be developed. That can be learned. The other thing I'll say is this, and it's one of the things that drew me to Mormonism. 
was as you read early accounts of those early Mormons, they were having encounters with the divine frequently. And I've said this before, and I really mean it. If we as Mormons and followers of Christ are not having regular, and, and I'm not talking every day, I'm not even talking every week, but certainly regular occurrences of encountering the divine, I don't think we're doing Mormonism right. I just don't. I think that that Joseph Smith's message was, I had my encounter with God. I had my meeting with him, and you can too. And so if you're in a place where you're not getting that kind of communication from God um, and, and those kind of encounters of the divine, I don't think you're, you're reaping the full benefits of, of, of living the gospel. And yeah, one that I would like to share that really helped me um, when I first started was that at least what, okay, sorry, hard to explain sometimes. What I was told by someone else was that there's angels and they're trying to speak to you and you just need to actually acknowledge them. So sometimes you may feel that there's someone in the room, but you look around and you're like, well, there's no one here. I just must be crazy. Oh, I, you know, I don't know why I felt like that. Then instead of dismissing it, say, is there someone here? I feel like there's someone here. Heavenly Father, is there someone here? You know, like invite it to be real, like act, treat it like it's a real thing because I have yet to do that. And there's no one there. You know, when I feel like there's someone there, that's because there's someone there. And so that was a really big shift for me is because I'd had experiences like that in my life, plenty of them where I thought someone's there or whatever. And I just rejected it. And so that was a huge step for me was just treating it like it was real. And at first I had a really hard time hearing more than just a word or two, or I couldn't quite understand. That was, that took a lot of work. That took a lot of practice, a lot of apologizing. Like I would, <laughs> I would tell them often, I am so sorry. I know you're trying to talk to me. I just don't understand you. And that, that's my fault. Not, that's not ask God to help open my ears. Right. And that was really helpful. That was really helpful. Yeah. No, I could see that. I've often wondered in those times when we talk to ourselves, are we really just talking to ourselves or is there someone listening? So I, I can identify with that. All right. So here's my final question for you. What would you tell someone who was where you were like a year ago? where they're feeling a call for something deeper in terms of a relationship with the savior or something more that, that they feel like they can learn, but maybe it's outside of dogma and organized religion. What would you tell them? That there's a reason that you have that feeling in your heart, that God is calling you to a greater understanding 
and he wants you to to find these things out and so I would just encourage you to pray and ask for guidance that you will one prayer that I say a have said a lot in my life is that please guide me to the answers that are true and to the things that you want me to learn and please help keep me away from the things that are not true help me to not get lost mm-hmm. right because we can go down a rabbit hole of untruth and that's easy to do and so help me to not get lost help me to stay on a path towards you help me to to learn those things that are true and right and good and I have that prayer in my heart a lot because you're going to doubt. I mean, I'll just be honest. The The calm, more confident feeling I have now was hard won <laughs> through a lot of doubt, through a lot of doubt. And I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of gold here that I was blessed with one day when I was really struggling. I'd had so many doubts for days and and I was really struggling and I was praying, but I wasn't really getting a very clear answer. And I was kind of losing my way. I was, I was in the sense that I was ready to throw my hands up and I instead did kind of throw my hands up in it, but in a different way, not giving up. I said, fine, I'm not going to worry about it right now. I guess what I, what I do know I'll hold on to, like, I, I know the revelations I've received from God are, are from him and are true. And that's, that's where I'll start. You know, that's what it all comes back down to. Don't deny the things that you know to be true. And sometimes it takes a declaration, a declaration of faith in the things that you do know are true to clear the air of confusion and doubt. So use that, use that tool. It's really helpful. Fantastic. All right, Sarah, we've done two hours here. So good stuff. Um, I tell this to all my guests and I mean it, you ever want to come back on, just let me know. I'll make, I'll make the time. So I'd I'd love to talk to you again. Where can, what was the name of the podcast again? From the dust. And where can they find it? They can find it on Spotify and YouTube. Perfect. A website yet or anything? Not a website yet. Hopefully coming soon. I do have an email. It's from the dust with Sarah at gmail.com. If anyone wants to send me an email, um, I'll have things up on Spotify first and then they will come up on YouTube after that. So good stuff. All right. Well, I look forward to listening to it, Sarah. I'm super excited for you. Thank you so much. All right. Everyone go check out her podcast. All right. Bye, everybody.